Right, Diet Riders, if you caught our live last night, then you already know. The cat's out of the bag. We are launching a Diet Riot membership, that is. We know so many of you have started your own intuitive eating journey, but it can be so overwhelming and confusing. You might not know if you're making progress, if you're doing it right, or you may feel really alone on your journey. Right. We're so excited to announce our membership because it's going to give you an amazing opportunity to work with us, get support, and grow a community and learn along the way. We will be offering direct answers to your real-life questions, a place to share your stories, your struggles, your wins, and everything in between. It's going to be a kick-ass community that you don't want to miss. Exactly. We cannot wait to have you join us. The doors to the waitlist are open right now. Click the link in the description box below to learn more and join the waitlist. We're only opening the membership a few times a year, so we can really focus on building that community feel and be able to answer all your questions and get to know all of you. Imagine your life free of food thoughts and body image struggles. What would that mean to you? Being a part of this community of amazing women who are all on the same journey, lifting each other up and supporting each other, not to mention you get to work with Alyssa and I, two registered dietitians, all for the cost of one coffee a week. It's going to be life-changing. Make sure to sign up so you're the first to know when our membership is live. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Diet Riders. To the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Brooke Miller. I'm Alyssa Miller. We're both dietitians. Both moms. Both live in Denver. From the Midwest. And still quarantined. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it's getting uh, looser. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's getting closer and closer to seeing the outside world more. But for now, we're still on Zoom recording this podcast for you today. And we're super excited because we have an amazing guest. And I wanted to let her introduce herself. And her name is Christina. And we met on Instagram because that's where we meet people nowadays. (laughs) And uh, Christina, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know what you do and maybe a little bit of how you got to where you are today? Okay, well... Thanks, Alyssa and Brooke. I'm happy to be talking with you today. And it is so funny, like Instagram is the place to meet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm Christina Bruce, and I'm a body acceptance coach. And so basically what I do is I work one-on-one with people who want to heal their relationship with food and their bodies. So it's typically people who have um, really dieted for a good portion of their life, have really struggled with feeling comfortable in their body. A lot of the times it's related to weight. And they've kind of just gotten to a point where they're like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, the, the pain of constantly trying to change their body and fight with it and like manage food and restriction has just gotten like too much. It's too painful. And they're just like, I'm done. But oh my God, uh, a lot of stuff is coming up and I don't really know what to do now. And like, how do I navigate this? So I kind of walk people through that process or work with them to kind of reclaim now their lives for themselves. Um, Because it was really 
that's of course was my journey, which is a lot of, you know, why I think people get into doing this kind of work is they've walked that path and are still walking that path. Um, so I'll try to keep this as short as possible. Uh, but for me, it, I would say, you know, growing up, um, I was typically in what I might call like an average size body and I, I wasn't thin, I wasn't fat, I was just kind of average. Um, but I learned really young through growing up um, with women in my family who were always dieting. So the women in my family, most, in fact, the body sizes in my family tend to be more on the heavier side. Just genetically, that's the way that we run. And so particularly with women, you know, everybody was always on a diet and there was always so much talk and emphasis put on weight, on weight loss and valuing thinness. So of course, you know, we get that in the society as well. So I pick it up amongst my peers and just, you know, like we all ingest it by watching TV and absorbing media. But I learned really young that um, thin was something that was good, that was valued, and that my family really valued. And I wanted to be valued by my family. So of course, of course. Um, and it didn't really seem that no matter kind of what I achieved in terms of academics or sports or extracurriculars, it was like this final piece, you know, it seemed like that was, that was really important. It was an important piece. It didn't really matter what I did everywhere else. If I could get that thin piece going, like that would be the magic solution. So I was really active growing up. I was involved in a lot of sports and, you know, involved in a lot of school activities. So I kind of somehow managed to not be super focused on my weight, you know, through high school, which is by some miracle, I think, because I was so maybe just distracted by other things that I enjoyed doing. But when I graduated from university and I was kind of like out there on my own in the world and like, you know, making it on my own and I had all the options, I I really decided that that was a time I was going to focus on getting thin. And I really wanted to know, like, what would it be like to be thin? Like, it seems like it's pretty great. I have a feeling that, you know, at the time, of course, I was single. So I was like, looking to date. I'm like, I think guys will find me more attractive. So I just really focused on on that and I did it through so many quote-unquote healthy meat ways like I just exercised a lot I watched what I ate and because I hadn't really heavily dieted when I was young the first time you diet as you know like the weight just tends to fall off pretty easily that mm -hmm. first time around and so it did and and I noticed I got a lot of the rewards with it so I got a lot of compliments um, you know, guys who like wouldn't pay attention to be me before all of a sudden did. And I really loved this attention. And so um, I kept on with it. And it's interesting because while I really love the attention, there was, it, it didn't bring me this like permanent happiness and freedom because then there was always this fear that I would gain it back. And then I would lose all of this admiration um, and social capital, really, that I had gained. So I wrote it out for a while. Um, I became a yoga instructor, so I got really into the health and wellness community. And so that was really valued. And then it kind of became a part of my identity. So it was like, well, now I'm this yoga instructor. 
um, I got to maintain this body because I got to look like a yoga instructor. Totally. Yeah. So those started to become really intermixed and it kind of led me down to kind of further and further restriction. Like it didn't really matter, no matter how thin I was, I was never thin enough. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you know, I'd have moments where I felt thin and then I was like, oh, I, I gained weight, like I need to diet again. So that was going on for a long time. And it really wasn't until my then boyfriend, now husband moved in with me that I saw really clearly how much maintaining my weight loss took, had like taken over my entire life. I couldn't, I couldn't really do things with him that didn't revolve around me maintaining my food intake and my dieting. So like if I would come home from work, he had immigrated from another country, like from Argentina here. So for the first little while he wasn't working. So it was nice. I had my own like personal chef. (laughs) (laughs) I I know, but I would come home and I noticed like if the food wasn't ready immediately, like, you know, crap would go down, like things would get bad. And I didn't know it at the time. It was because I was so hungry. Like Mm -hmm. I was just starving. And so that kind of spurred some tensions between us, you know, like he was on walking on eggshells. He didn't know what mood I would be in. And, and then because I would sort of relax with him, like I wouldn't be working out as much, or maybe I'd be sharing different types of foods with him and different meals. And my weight started to creep back on. And that freaked me out because again, I'm going to lose everything that I gained. So I doubled down hard, kind of got, I would say borderline eating disorder, like not officially diagnosed, but pretty, but close. Mm -hmm. And, um, it wasn't a good situation. It was really bad. I was in a very bad emotional mental state. I was weight fixation and food took up almost all of my mental space. And it just got to a point I, I by this time had started to like slowly come across like I heard of intuitive eating. I remember hearing of it and being like, Oh my god, no, I can't. I just can't do that right now. Because that will mean I'll gain weight. Just can't. So terrifying, right? Yeah, it's it was, like the first time you hear it, you're like, no way. So terrifying. Yeah. So I kind of like it was in the back of my mind. And then one day, I just I sort of reached this breaking point. I was going to go on this super restricted diet. Like I won't even name it, but I, I'd signed up, paid like over a thousand dollars for this like super, super restrictive diet. And kind of, yeah, kind of this moment was like, I was about to start it the next day. And I remember like I was in bed at night and I just started sobbing and I was just like, I can't do this. Like I can't do this. So Thankfully, I got my money back. Thankfully, they had a 30 day return policy. Oh, thank um, God. <laughs> but that just started it. Like something in me just said, I ca- this can't be my life. Like mm-hmm. this can't be my life where everything is so fixated on restriction. And so I just said, I'm stopping, I'm stopping dieting. And I, I went really, really hard into, um, I'd learned about health at every size and intuitive eating. Like I was just a sponge, like I was absorbing it. And I was, it was such relief to hear that, you know, other people had been through what I'd been through. It was a relief to know that a lot of these fitness people that I idolized or thought were like super fit, fit and healthy were actually engaging in disordered eating and eating disorder behaviors that like they were struggling too. 
So around that same time, I was also training to become a life coach. And it was like, they just kind of came together. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the area that I want to focus on. So mm-hmm. I'd done a lot of like personal development work and, you know, so over the years, this is what brought me to here is like, I wanted to be able to a like be there to kind of wake people up to all of the different factors that are influencing kind of why they feel the way that they feel about their bodies and food and then help them recover and heal from it because it really is a recovering and a healing process. It's Mm -hmm. super emotional and it's scary. Um, But it's ultimately about reclaiming our lives for ourselves and our power because we don't realize that dieting and focusing on weight actually drains us of our power. We we get this like very vague or or this sort of flimsy feeling of power that we get like by our body changing and thinking like, oh, now I have this social clout, but it's not true power because it's dependent on an external source. Mm -hmm. And this is really about going within and finding out where is that power that resides within me? And when we're so fixated on dieting and weight loss, we kind of give that power away to diet culture and, and to other people. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. I took yes. so many notes. I'm like, <laughs> I have so many talking points. Like that was that so was, good. I could listen to you talk forever. That was an incredible story. <laughs> I think it resonates with so much of us, right? Yeah. Like all the ups and downs of like what you have gone through. And, and like you said, I loved when you touched on getting into like being a yoga teacher and then that was added pressure. And like, I think a lot of us feel that way, especially when we're going to the gym or going, you know, being a part of group fitness classes, like all of a sudden there's this mental thing of like, oh, I have to look a certain way to belong here. Or, oh my gosh, I just, I, I resonated so much with your story. And I think most people will because it's very sneaky of how all of a sudden you turn around and you're like borderline going on this really restrictive diet. And what a great moment to have this realization of what am I doing to myself? You know, I need to get back to who I am and who I want to be and not pretending to be something I'm not, which is actually, like you said, draining of all my power. That was, that was incredible. That was a great story. (laughs) Yeah. I remember I wanted to be a yoga instructor. This was probably like five years ago. And I told myself like I couldn't because I wasn't skinny enough. And it's crazy. Like I'm in a normal size body and quote unquote, you know, normal size body. I'm athletic, but I still was like, well, I'm not skinny enough and I don't mm-hmm. wear a size small. And I, how can I be a yoga instructor when I'm not tall and thin and I just don't fit the body type or the lifestyle necessarily. And so I didn't, I didn't do it. I let fear dictate it. And just think of how much, like you said, like how much power the diet holds. Think of all the things that we're saying no to in life that if we just let go of that and said, like, I don't care. I love yoga. I want to do this. I want to pursue this. Then we can pursue it. Like we say no to so many dreams that we, we don't even like let the dream get close enough to us because we're so scared that we don't look good enough or, you know, we don't, fit that description. And then we have this crazy mindset that, well, when I lose the weight, then, then I'm ready for the promotion. And we connect like the weight to different things in our life that have no, like, oh, I'll find the husband when I lose the weight. Oh, I'll get the promotion Mm -hmm. when I lose the weight. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily 
coincide. Like your boss isn't just going to give you a promotion because you've lost weight. I mean, but we really believe it like because Mm -hmm. diet culture has brainwashed us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that whole belief, like you said, of we have to look a certain way to fit into a certain thing, whether it's success or love or, you know, that you're worthy or whatnot, you know, all those things are so valid. I felt that way as a dietitian. It's like both Mm -hmm. Brooke and I are dietitians. And, you know, a lot of dietitians are a certain size. They're very, very tiny. But once you're in the profession, you realize a lot of dietitians became dietitians because they're looking to control their food and intake more. And I I, you know, it's so true and it's so hard to see because it opens an opportunity to an eating disorder or extreme disordered eating um, because we learn so much about it. It's hard to unknow certain things and you can find yourself wanting to track and wanting to look a certain way and wanting to act a certain way and wanting to eat a certain way. And other people are looking at you too, right? I can't tell you how many times I've had someone at a restaurant be like, you're ordering a burger? Oh my gosh, aren't you a dietitian? A thousand times. And you just have to like, Either A, you succumb to it and you start making choices based on what other people think you should be eating, or you have to say, this is who I am. I enjoy burgers and I'm good with it. And I don't care who is going to be talking. I'm not going to let anyone else talk into how I'm going to treat my body because it's not about them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of where you ended there about the power shift, Mm -hmm. you know, like you being empowered and having power over your body and how you give it away piece by piece to every diet you decide to go on or every time you decide to restrict or every time you talk negatively about yourself, right? You're giving away some of that power. So um, with your clients, how do you recommend kind of a, I guess, realizing that like coming to that realization, because I find it's a very hard transition for people to understand. And then also what's like the first step in trying to get that power back? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) Basically, when I start working um, with clients, they've they've tended to already kind of reached a point where they've realized that mm-hmm. dieting is having this negative impact on them. Um, I, I typically don't work with people who are still like, oh, yeah, I'm totally cool with dieting um, <laughs> right. because then it's like, well, I right. can't. I, I can't, can't get you from mind. this point you to know, this like, point. Yeah, yeah, you need to like, be starting at the at some point where we can be on the same page. Yeah. Exactly. Like you have to kind of want to do this for yourself, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So the thing, the the biggest thing that I um, focus on is looking at where are we seeking external validation, approval, and appreciation, and then how are we kind of saying no to ourselves in order to say yes to somebody else. So whether that's to fit, you know, this image that we think that um, would be acceptable to other people. So if that's a smaller body, if that's eating a certain way or a certain type of food, where are we shutting down our own actual desires and wants in order to feel um, really it's about feeling safe because let's you know call a spade a spade the external pressure out there is intense you know mm-hmm. it's like like i actually work in an office environment and 
it, just the talk around diets, the little small comments here and there about bodies and, and you know, it's just, it's, it's everywhere. It's constant. So it's also like having compassion to see like, well, of course you would want to do this. Like, yes, it's like understanding you're not bad for wanting to done this, but where are you saying no? Where where are you shutting down yourself in order to please somebody else? Um, so a lot of the work is really starting to get in touch with what is it that I actually want? So mm -hmm. when I start my coaching sessions with people, the very first session that we do, and I tell them this is like, we're not even going to talk about the body. We're going to spend an hour and a half in this first session, and we're going to actually look at all of the different areas of your life and I'm, I like lead them through this kind of heart-centered visualization process. I'm like, let's get in touch with what you actually want for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? If there was literally no, you had no rules or ideas about what you had to look like or, or how you had to be acting in order to have this, what would you want? What really is true for you? And so it's bringing kind of that awareness to the surface. And then it's starting to see all of the different ways that we start to shut that down and how our um, patterns and beliefs and behaviors have gotten in the way of us living that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a place that I start. And what I also do is I bring people out of the mind and I say, let's get out of the mind and into our hearts. Okay, let's drop into the heart. So the heart is like the source of our deepest inner wisdom. It's the source of our truth. It always feels good and it's loving when our heart speaks to us. Usually the mind is that voice that's kind of that annoying roommate who's yammering all the time. Who's like, yeah, but uh, what about me, me? You know, like that's not the helpful voice. So it's like, let's ignore this and listen to the heart and the heart is a much quieter voice and it requires us to get still and it requires us to kind of let you know put aside to let those thoughts go by i also i went i actually um like to get this way too nothing new can come from your mind your mind is like a computer so it's an input of data so the mind is going to spit out everything that you've learned up until this point. So you're not going to find anything new and creative by listening to your thoughts. But the wisdom from the heart is actually coming from a place that's greater than the mind. It's like outside of the mind. That's where we get our creativity. That's where we get our source of inspiration. That's where we're driven from. And so when we can drop out of the mind, not going to tell us anything new. If anything else, it's just going to come up with a list of reasons of why we can't do what we want to do. And let's listen to our hearts. And that's in the mind is what's full of diet culture talk. It's, what full, it's what's full of the rules and the regulations. And so when we feel, that's when we start to, again, attune to like what nourishes me, what brings me energy, what feels good. And we start, you know, people can start to move into that direction. And the biggest thing that I would say too is I have them question and challenge these hard and fast beliefs about body size, about food, 
like what's good and what's bad. Just question it all. See if there's any, if you can start poking holes in those beliefs. And I've yet to see somebody who hasn't been able to poke at least one hole in one of these beliefs that were quote unquote truth. Mm -hmm. I think that was a lot what I just said. But <laughs> there you, you go. <laughs> you communicate so effectively, so effectively. I mean, your Instagram posts are on point every time I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. Like you're just very an effective communicator. And what you said there was just so beautiful and such a great um, visualization for people to, like you said, get out of the head and get into the heart. Um, I like to say, get into the body, you know, feel, you know, and, and it does take that stillness, which I think our culture is afraid of. We're so afraid of stillness. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? You know, it's, there's no stillness and being where we are, we have to be striving for something better and more and new diet or whatever it might be. And that's all areas of our life, not just diet culture, but so I think what you just said is so, so powerful. And I, you know, I hope people were really paying attention. I'm sure that they were because you also have the very calming presence of like finding that stillness too. Um, and yeah, I wanted to say, you know, that diet culture mentality is very dependent. If this, then that, right? It's if you lose the weight, then you'll find what you're looking for. And I remember the first time this hit me and it has nothing to do with diet, but my husband was being so supportive when I was trying to pass my boards to become an RD. He was like, you're going to rock it. You're so smart. Of course, you're going to pass it. This is like the way that he tries to like encourage me. He's like, you're going to kill it, like all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, okay. So finally, after weeks of me studying and him continuing to like build me up the way that he thinks I need to hear it, I stopped him and I said, you're actually making it worse. Like I, I know what you're saying and I appreciate your support and I know that you think I'm smart. But here's what I want to hear from you. I want to hear that you're still going to respect me. You're still going to love me and you're still going to think I'm smart even if I fail. Mm -hmm. And that was a, such a powerful moment in our marriage because th from then on, I could tell him that again. I could say, thank you for your support, but I need to know that regardless of how I look, how I act, what choices I make, you're still going to love me. Mm -hmm. And so that was such a pivotal moment. And that can, I think, be applied to diet culture too, is like, I need to know that I'm worthy in my job in being a human and being a friend and being, you know, a partner, regardless of what my body looks like, regardless of what I'm choosing to eat, you know, those sorts of things. And I think that's kind of brings us into this thing of we wanted to talk today about how we have seen and you've seen personally and firsthand, too, of how letting go of diet culture, getting out of your head, getting into your heart, listening to your body and becoming an intuitive eater actually affects other areas of our life, right? So maybe we can talk a little bit about that too, what you've seen in your clients and, and in yourself too. Yeah. Um, because, you know, diet culture teaches us to shut ourselves down. Like it teaches us to ignore our desires and our wants and our needs and to push through into something so that we can, you know, please somebody else. So when we're taught to do that, it creeps into other areas of our lives. And again, like depending how into it we are, like you talk about how many people get into dietetics because they have their own challenges with their relationship to food and their body. It's like, what else would they have wanted to do if, mm -hmm. if, it, if that wasn't the component? Like, did you That's really want to be a dietitian or to did help you, people? Yeah. 
or yeah. did you want to use it to your advantage to get a skinnier body? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So when you start to um, kind of, it really is like this awakening, you know, it's like, oh, whoa, like, it's like you're in this trance, like, like I hate to say it, but we're all kind of like these you know, walking zombies, like indoctrinated with these ideas. And I don't mean to like, I don't say it in a, you know, derogatory way to anybody, but it's just what happens. And I mean, Mm -hmm. because I was very much in it as well. So it's just, we don't know what we don't know. We, this is what we were taught. We think that this is how it is. And it's kind of like this awakening to like, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't actually have to be like this. And so it, ha- it has us come face to face with um, a lot of discomfort and a lot of the different ways like we've been hurt in the past. Um, so I want to say this process is really can be a very emotional process. So it requires some healing work too, because dieting also is like suppression. It like literally, but it also pushes underneath all of the emotions, things that we haven't wanted to deal with. It's like we keep pushing it down and down and down, ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. And when we, when we release this pressure, it's all going to come up. You know, it's like we're taking the lid off of this boiling pot and that steam is just going to rise up and we're going to be hit in the face with all of these things that we throughout our lives have maybe used dieting uh, to fix. You know, you're going to see that yes. you're going to have mm-hmm. that memory of like being bullied as a kid. And that's why you started dieting and, mm-hmm. you know, getting your body in the first place was so that you didn't have to feel bullied anymore. You're going to have to like deal with all of that stuff. And then underneath that, you can start to rebuild and find the strength within yourself that says I'm good enough and I'm valuable and I'm worthy just as I am. And we all are, you know, we all came into this world worthy and valuable, but we just had these crappy things happen to us that have, you know, made us move away from that, from that personal power, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we all just want to be accepted. You know, we all just want to feel loved. I mean, Mm -hmm. the funny, the thing that I find is the funniest is that we all just want everybody else like to just think that accept us and, and, you know, love us and not judge us. And so we've learned that the biggest way that people judge each other right now in our culture is by body size. Mm -hmm. And so in order to not be judged, we change our body instead of looking at, Hey, how about we just don't judge so much? Like, how about we just accept people rather than trying to ask everybody to change themselves in order to be accepted? Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. We're all doing it. It's nuts. Like, it really is is nuts. Um, And what we're trying to do of ourselves, you know, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's extremely difficult. You actually had a post the other day about it being like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. Yes, That was so like, what a great visualization of like, we're all trying, like you said, trying so hard to change our bodies into a something that's, you know, as soon as you get there, it's going to change. So (laughs) let's just determine that right now. But then when you are trying to do it, you're under so much pressure and trying to do everything the exact quote unquote right way that one slip and it's all gonna, you know, combust. And like you said, hit you right in the face. And, and it's such, um, it's such an emotional journey because at the end of it, and like you said, once you're awakened, and once you see it, you have kind of this questioning nature. So now when things come into your head, you can go, 
wait a second, is that true? Is that true for me? Does that make actual sense? And whether that's diet culture trying to talk to you or someone else or something else or some other area of your life, because now you've retrained your brain to question the thoughts that you experience or that pass through your brain, instead of just taking it and accepting it as fact, as a lot of us have, which leads to that kind of idea of zombies, <laughs> just like living, um, it, it actually is able to take that thought, question it, and then decide if you want to keep it and hold on to it and make it part of who you are or let it go because it has no no bounds on you, mm-hmm. you know? And there's actually one of my favorite quotes from Albert Einstein was like the, I don't know, I don't know the exact quote, you guys, but <laughs> what it is is basically like the sign of intelligence is being able to entertain an idea without it actually becoming what you believe. Mm. So you can choose, you know, this is that critical thinking piece of just because my friend, you know, called me a name or told me, you know, I was lazy because I don't work out. It doesn't mean I'm lazy. I don't have to accept that as something or an identity marker of who I am. I can choose to hold that thought and then let it go, you know? I might even want to go one step further too. And looking at, you know, lazy, like that's such a big negative quality that like none of us want to be, but I want to, I want to even go further and say, we're actually all lazy to Mm -hmm. some degree. There's not a single quality that exists that we can't be in some way or shape or form. So like, what if we were to also accept it and say, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, actually I am lazy sometimes. And lazy can have a lot of gifts. It can mean that I'm giving myself rest. It can mean that I'm able Mm -hmm. to maybe, maybe I'm not pushing myself past into doing something or uh, past this point of, of what's good for me. So it's like, we can almost, if we accept kind of these qualities about ourselves too, that really gives us power and freedom to do whatever, because it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, yeah, I can be all of this. And what's your point? There's nothing you can call me that I won't say, yeah, you're right. I can be that too. Right. I think that's so good. Um, I have a few relatives who we got in this conversation and debate a little while ago and they said, you know, people who are fat are just lazy. And I was like, no, like that's not true. And we got into a big argument, but it's so interesting to take like two aspects of what you just said is one, we're all lazy in our own ways in different parts of our life. So like, even if you're hitting the gym eight hours a day and you think you're you're probably lacking something else in your life because you're putting gym as the priority. So if you're literally focusing your entire life on having a perfect body, something else is going to suffer, whether that's your marriage, your relationship with your kids, whether that's your work, like you can't be perfect in every aspect of your life. And so, yes, we are all lazy in different aspects of our life at different points of our life. Like, and it's, we have permission for that. Like, I remember when I was pregnant, my first trimester, like I was so sick that walking, it was like, oh, this is great. This is all I can do. And I'm normally a very fit and active person. And for me, it was just, yeah, this is how I feel right now. I'm respecting my body. And somebody like with a history of an eating disorder, they wouldn't listen to their body. Even if their body is telling them every sign, like you need to take it easy or you're coming back from an injury. Like how many people push their body so much into an injury and then they won't, they don't want to be labeled lazy. So they fight their body and then they never heal. And so it's like, yes, like why can't we just accept that? 
And oh gosh, it's so good. I love that aspect. Like, and, yeah. Oh, so I was going to say that's, that's kind of the way of like taking back your power too, is mm-hmm. like, you can't, there's nothing to the attack then anymore. If you mm-hmm. accept mm-hmm. it, it's no longer an attack. Yeah. So you don't have to try to fight your whole life in order to avoid being that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. so another thing that I, I was just thinking about that you were talking about, you know, this is all about reclaiming your power and how does it affect other parts of your life? You know, one of the things that I really woke up to in this process as well was like just how comfortable I was with self-punishment because diet culture also Mm. trains us to really like us punish ourselves a lot of the time you know that you're bad Mm -hmm. you're good like you're guilty you're cheating like and that requires some kind of um oh what's the word but you got to make up for it you know so um right it it basically penance penance (laughs) yeah atonement that was what I was looking at yeah um Mm -hmm. it it wakes me up it, it woke me up to like wait a minute, I, I don't want to be so mean to myself anymore. I yes. want to be mm-hmm. kinder to myself. I won't tolerate this, this talk anymore. And mm-hmm. so then when you start to reclaim that, it's like, where do you not tolerate it in other areas of your life? Yes. That's so true. Well, and you, like you were just saying, you know, you're telling yourself, I will not tolerate this you know, negative self-talk anymore. And what I like to tell people too, is if you can't, um, if it's something that you would never say to your best friend or your mom or your son or whatever it is, like if it's something so mean that you would never say to anybody else's face, why on earth is it okay for you to say that to yourself? And I think when we Mm -hmm. reframe it that way, like, oh, wow, I'm calling myself all of these terrible names and we just think it's okay or that we should punish ourselves to work out more because we Mm -hmm. deserve it. And it's like, we wouldn't tell our kid like, oh, you had, well, I guess some parents might, oh, you had cake. You better go run a mile, like to burn it off. Otherwise you're bad. I mean, I don't know. Some parents might do that, but I mean, it's pretty nuts to think that we allow ourselves to talk to ourselves this way. And it's, it's insane when you like really break it down and and think about it like you said and like you said is once you once you do change the way you talk to yourself and realize that how you're talking to yourself is not okay and and build a better standard for yourself that protects you in building a better standard for how you're letting other people talk Mm -hmm. to you too and so yeah a lot of times in this journey you do find that you may have to end a relationship or find new friends or kind of move away from a space that may have been toxic in the past of of calling you certain things or making you feel a certain way too right I mean I talk about this all the time with social media you know, you get to choose who you follow. You get to choose which posts you see. And if they're making you feel bad, even if they're not intentionally doing it or calling you out by name, but just seeing a picture of them doing something, unfollow them, mute them, you know, move on because it's not, it's not worth it. And you deserve more. You deserve to feel comfort and safe and um, a part of who you are, you know, and come into that kind of power. And by following people who make you feel that way, like you said, it's giving away that power and, and we don't need to be doing that at all. Yeah. And, you know, dieting and like having this body, it just, it can give us a false sense of power. You know, we feel like Mm -hmm. we're in control. We're getting these external compliments, but it's, it's not true power because as soon as something happens where we're no longer able to be in control or those compliment stops, there goes our power. 
So it was mm-hmm. never true to begin with because it was always, um, I'm like blanking on my words today, conditional. <laughs> it's uh-huh. always conditional, you know? And so it's also about then finding this power that actually resides deep within us, deep within ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it requires things like, you know, when I talk about, I'm a big advocate of, um, you know, meditation and taking some time mm-hmm. to do some reflective practices to come into stillness. And that's when we can start to get back in, in touch with ourselves. Um, and I just want to also have, I also try to tell people like, we need to have compassion for ourselves in this process. There's a lot of momentum that was built up. It's like this like runaway train, okay? Like this runaway mm-hmm. train diet culture. And all of a sudden, just because like you take your foot off the brake, you know, it's going to take a while for that train to slow down mm-hmm. and sometimes a long while. And so, you know, I tell my clients, I'm very open with them. And I'll say, and I think I just did a post on this the other day. I said, there are, there are times like I still have thoughts occasionally where I'm like, I wish I was thinner, or I want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And I just know that, of course, I'm going to have these thoughts, a like, look at the culture that we're living in. I sometimes liken Mm -hmm. it to, you know, somebody who's trying to stop drinking in a bar, Like Mm -hmm. they're living in a bar and they're trying to stop drinking. It's kind of the same way. So it's like, this is not something that's going to happen overnight. It's so what I do with those thoughts, it's I'm like, oh yeah, okay, there's those thoughts. I know where those are coming from and I don't entertain them. So I don't Mm -hmm. start a new diet. You know, I don't go and start running. I, and I also become really aware of what else is going on for me right now? Because mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. feelings about my body are almost 100% tied to other fears that are going on within me. Sometimes yeah. it's just, I'm really tired. Sometimes I just need sleep and I'll start to pick mm-hmm. at my body or things will go down. Or sometimes it's like, I'm really just feeling insecure in general, maybe it's for something else, like, you know, and then, okay, well, maybe if I change my body, I'll feel, I'll feel better any way that I can get some sort of like valid validation. So I always tell people like, a have some compassion. If those thoughts happen, you can still do this work while having those thoughts, you just don't Mm -hmm. entertain them. And, um, and also to, and now I just like lost my train of thought. <laughs> There's something else I was going to say about um, the thoughts and then, and you know what, if I think about it, I'll come back to it. So never yeah, mind. No worries. <laughs> that was so I, we do this all the yeah. time, but this is, you know, one of the reasons why Brooke and I started a podcast is to make it, I think Instagram is so great, yeah. but um, it's a, it's an editable and, you know, um, it's a platform where you post the best of the best. Like, look at me, I'm this intuitive eater. And sometimes I eat this cookie and I move on. And sometimes, you know, I don't eat the cookie at all because I don't even want it. And it's like, Brooke and I started this podcast to be like, well, sometimes I eat the whole bag of cookies still. Yeah, <laughs> That's I totally had a lot fine. of dough this week and felt so <laughs> sick. I was like, oh God, I'm going to throw up. I should not have eaten all that. It was too much. Brooke. Your post made me make cookies and then I ate the dough yes. and it was oh, delicious. It was so but, good, but like, oh, I stomach ache. But it's just, you know, it's an ongoing process forever. Yes. And I think most people in the intuitive eating space are going to be really open and honest with you guys about that because it doesn't 
It doesn't take 30 days. Mm -hmm. It's not a six-day cleanse or (laughs) detox or whatever. This is a forever practice. And they're, like you said, it's like quitting drinking in a bar. It's literally quitting dieting in diet culture. We are surrounded by it. And until you kind of have that awakening or that, or that, you know, flip that switch in your life, it's really hard to see the sneaky little places that diet culture hides. And Brooke and I are really open and honest talking about even when we started the podcast, how many diet culture thoughts were still in our head. And we were saying things and now we look back and kind of cringe like, oh, that was really rooted in fear or insecurity or whatnot. And it's so important to be open and transparent about this process, even as dietitians, even as, you know, we're the experts in this, we're still learning and we still will always have thoughts creep up. And exactly like you said, it doesn't mean we have to act on them. Well, and what, oh, oh, I was just going to say with the bar thing, it's like, if you're drinking in a bar, like you can just not go to the bar, but eating you can't just not eat like that's it's almost harder than yeah. giving up alcohol. I mean, I don't know. I've never had to give up a drug, but um, if <laughs> you know, it's like if you avoid the bar and you avoid your drinking buddies, it, it makes your life a hundred times easier. We can't avoid food like this is something that we need to eat every day. And so I think it's almost harder in that aspect. Yeah. And it's why, like, I mean, I'll just be honest about my opinion of this right now is it's why, like, I've never liked the idea. Well, that's not true. I mean, when I was in diet culture, I thought it was fine, but now I know better. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I really don't like the, um, you know, the Overeaters Anonymous model for mm-hmm. eating because, yes. again, it's like there, there is no abstinence here. You can't yeah. abstain from right. food. And, and I know what they do is, like, very just certain types of foods, but all that mm-hmm. does again, it's like it's a temporary measure. You know, it's it's a way that you can con- try and control it, but it really is a band-aid solution. For, and mm-hmm. I don't want to put down people like at all who are who are using it and that's working for them, but in the end, it's it's not getting to the root of really healing relationship with food. Mm-hmm. It's really just putting a band-aid right. on it. It's still diet culture. It's still a hundred percent diet yes. culture, and you can't heal yourself from diet culture, like, or, you know, your issues around it by using the tools of diet culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, with that, it's still restriction. And what we've all seen is this restriction binge cycle of um, feeling that guilt and shame. And I think a lot of programs like Overeaters Anonymous and other diets too, they use guilt and shame as a weapon. Yeah. And just to go back to what you said before, it's it's keeping you in that stage of, oh, I, I was bad. I need to have a punishment now. I need to have penance or atone for this by giving up more, by eating less, by working out more, or whatever that punishment may be. And, you know, I have this thought all the time of, of course, we hate foods like salad. Of course, we hate running. Of course, we hate working out because we've been told that it's a punishment. Mm -hmm. We've been told that it's this negative thing that we need to do to make up for something else when really like you can actually find joy in eating a salad or I can and you can find joy in moving your body. But you need to change your perspective. You need to get curious about it and you need to see it as a form of self-love and self-care and not this punishment that you must do this now. I mean, literally anything, your favorite thing in the world, if you turn it into a punishment, you're going to end up hating it one day. You know, it's like, oh, you have, it's like my kid in naps. Okay. If I make him go take a nap, he hates it. But we all love love naps naps. now as an adult. (laughs) 
<laughs> when it's no longer a punishment, you know, it's just kind of that it's having that different mindset of um, these foods and um, this movement or types of exercise or working your body out is it's not a form of punishment. And sometimes you might have to take a break from it when you're first kind of relearning how to love your body. Absolutely. But once you find that mental shift and you're able to make choices that diet culture has claimed as punishment actually for your body, it's so liberating. It's so liberating and exactly right. You feel in control and powerful again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was, guys, this is really good. <laughs> this is a great such episode. a good episode. I'm like, I'm going to listen to this 10 times over. Um, no, I want. Those are always our Yeah. Favorite. But no, I just wanted to go back to when you said initially in kind of your intro that it was affecting your marriage, um, you know, and like your relationship with your husband. And I think that's so common. It's something that we don't necessarily notice. Like a lot of us, we get hangry and when we're restricting, Mm -hmm. we get moody. And I know like I am not alone in that. I know we all get that way. Um, and so when we're restricting and now we're taking out our anger on our husband or our kids or, you know, our roommate, like it's not fair to them. And it affects, it affects our marriage. It affects our relationship with our kids. And I just think it affects so many aspects of our life that we don't necessarily know when we're entrenched in it. But when we kind of get outside of it, we realize, oh my gosh, like this was really affecting, you know, going out to eat with my friends. And Alyssa and I talk about that all the time, like that example of we've gone out to eat with friends before and they're on a diet and they're asking the waiter a million questions and like, how annoying are they to bring out to eat? We don't want to bring them anymore. And like, don't be that friend that your friends don't want to hang out with because of your dieting. Um, And it sucks to be that spouse who's getting yelled at over things because you're hangry. Like that's not fair to your spouse or your roommate. And um, I just didn't know if you had any other, um, like advice or tips just about how it changed maybe your relationship or anything else, um, friendships? Yeah, it's, um, so when I was going through this, we weren't married yet. So uh-huh. we were just still dating, but he did tell me actually like a year, couple, a couple years after that he, he wasn't sure if he still would have been able to be with me if I had continued dieting. Wow. That's how bad it was because he said, like, Mm -hmm. I just I was walking on eggshells around you because I didn't know. Like, basically, when this was at when I was at the height, like I said, this was when Mm -hmm. it was like a borderline eating disorder and I was weighing Mm -hmm. myself every day. And if I had, you know, gone up on the scale, it would ruin my day. And he'd be like, I I just didn't know who was going to come out of the bathroom. You know, because wow. like that's how yeah. how much power it had over me. Like it was awful. Um, right. So, and I mean, I do one thing that is very kind of lucky for me is that he was very supportive um, of my process because, like I said, it was a very emotional process, and so mm-hmm. I needed to bring him in for support. And I can understand. Like this is another scary thing. It's sort of like a topic area that we you know, kind of don't almost want to get into, but I think the reality is, is that if a partner is also very much rooted in diet culture themselves, it can be, it can be hard. And and if they are almost Mm -hmm. have a boarding borderline eating disorder, you know, that's what you're talking about. Maybe a relationship needs to end. Um, I remember thinking like, if, 
you know, sometimes we'll say, well, I need to lose weight in order to find somebody. It's like, but if that person is, they're not a, then really, yes. <laughs> right. They're, you're, you're, they're not, that's a fake version of you. Like what will mm-hmm. happen then if you lose that? And so again, mm-hmm. you want to be with somebody who, who wants to be with you, not, not just based on somebody who looks a certain way um, yes. because our bodies are going to change. And you know what? I always like mm-hmm. to say like, what if, what if something happened and you were in a car accident and you now like became paralyzed? Like hate to use mm-hmm. this like that, you know, horrible example, but you know, that's going to change your body. Right. And so mm-hmm. if somebody is really only with you and they're so fixated on appearance or eating a certain way, again, that's really conditional. You want to be able to be with somebody who's going to support you as much, as unconditionally as they can. Right. Yes. So, yeah. Um, um, he was really supportive of me through that process. And he started to learn kind of along with me about diet. Like I would talk to him about it all the time. <laughs> like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so, so he learned along with, with himself. And then I, and I was like, Oh my God, did you hear about this or that? And, and so he now um, is really open and aware of it too. So I was able to bring him on board and, and you know, so he'll tell me he uh, was working as a massage therapist and he was like starting to tell his own clients about, you know, if they would come in about weight and he'd be like, you know, like actually <laughs> the weight isn't like he, so it was like he was right. helping to spread the message as, as well. Um Right. So it, uh, it was a long process and an emotional one, but, you know, being open and honest with him was really important and bringing him on board with me was important and really just asking for what I needed. Like, even if that was hard, like you might not always know. So again, that's getting in touch with what is it that you need? We're so used to, um, putting aside our needs. And so this is putting our needs yes. front and center. And that's again, what, um, letting go of diet culture does is it actually, I encourage people to be quote unquote selfish. And by that, I mean, you know, I I use the classic example of you have to put your oxygen tank on first in order Mm -hmm. to be helping somebody else. So not in a way of being selfish that you don't care about anybody else, but in the sense Mm -hmm. that you have to put yourself first and fill your cup in order to be able to help somebody else. Oh, so and I love what you said about diet culture. Like it, it keeps us from um, expressing what our needs are. And then eventually we lose tr- touch with even knowing what they are at all. And so what's really cool is when we have this mindset shift, and a lot of times it does start with the diet culture and eating side, how it spills over into other areas of our life. Like I'm a great communicator now with my husband about what I need emotionally from him. I mean, even to like the silly mundane things of like where I want to go to eat tonight or what kind of outfit I want to wear, like those silly decisions that used to like tie me up inside don't like I am way more decisive because I'm in tune with my body because I know how I'm feeling that day or what I'm needing that day or I've gotten really curious about okay I'm really stressed how can I manage the stress and I have a plethora of tools in my toolbox now of what I can do to relieve that stress versus before it might have just been oh control my food you know or like control you know what I'm going to start a diet I'm going to take control quote unquote of my life and I'm going to get my power and now it's like okay no now I can take a really long shower now I can give my kids to my husband and go on a walk or go on a run or go for a drive or listen to music or take a nap I have an arsenal of things that I can do that and only one of my tools in my toolbox is food and I don't think food should not be in your toolbox to deal with stress but it should be one of your tools instead of 
your whole toolbox, right? So I just think it's so cool to see even to the mundane, the boring, what kind of music I want to listen to. I'm now more in tune with how I'm feeling that I can make decisions like that way easier than before. Because like you said, in diet culture, we're suppressing our needs. We're trying to make it not a big deal. We're trying to oppress them and ignore them. And it really changes all aspects of your life. Yeah. The quote that came to mind when you were talking, Christina, was the, um, if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And that's so true because if you're single and you're trying to lose weight to find a husband, like a, our bodies change. So when we're 80, I'm sorry, we're going to have wrinkles and like our bodies are not going to be as, you know, perky as we were in our twenties. And so like, that's not why we're marrying our spouse is not for the way that they look. And I just thought of like the funny, okay. I just thought back to, I used to live in Las Vegas and like, you know, it's very body centric and like, it's very materialistic. And I just remember like going out and always like having to put on like the biggest push up bra. And it's like, I don't, I don't have a big chest, but you try so hard to like fake it till you make it. Like even your boobs, like you try to have these huge boobs, even though you don't. And it's like, if somebody were to see you naked, who like, let's say you didn't know them or something, they would be like, what? I thought you had fake boobs. And like, it's just such a funny example, but it's like, we try so hard to put on like this outer appearance shell of what we think we should look like. And it's like, why can't we just embrace our bodies the way they are? Like, and now I haven't like put on a push-up bra in how long? Because it's like super uncomfortable. And yeah, I'm smaller chested. It's fine. Like that's just life. And well, and there's this thing my, my pastor used to say when he married um, to like a husband and wife, he would marry them and he would say, okay, get, like get used to it because this is the best you're ever going to look for the rest of your life. He used to yes. say this thing. And now he talks about it and he goes, that's actually not true. Like now in deeper into marriage, when you know each other deeply and you've seen each other, well, my husband's seen me give birth, oh, yeah. you know, it's literally like the craziest places where you've seen each other and the deeps like depths of your despair and depression or anxiety or happiness and joy and all these different things and building a character and a person and knowing someone that deeply is actually the most beautiful thing that can happen. So when we're so focused on these external things, we miss out on this deeper connection, this deeper relationship that can happen with another human because we're so focused on how we look or how they look. And it's really not true, right? It's it's we're so beautiful inside and out with all the things that culture tells us are flaws or ugly or whatever, it's actually 100% not true. And I hope, I hope you guys all experience that because it's, it's beautiful. And, and to that point too, I remember you were also asking about, you know, friends as well and, and kind of advice. I mean, I, I actually just, it brought up a memory. I remember when I kind of made this decision, we were out for dinner with like my best friends and, and I kind of made this announcement that I was no longer dieting. And they all like started clapping and like high-fiving me and stuff. So, I mean, I think, I don't think I knew how much maybe they saw it being an issue because it got so bad and they just Mm -hmm. didn't want to sing anything, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, they were so happy about it. And again, it's like finding those people that really accept you for you. And I like to tell Mm -hmm. my clients sometimes it's sort of cheesy, but I'm like, you know, be a lighthouse, 
Like you don't need to, mm. you don't need to compete with anybody else. It's like the more you're authentically yourself, you shine that light bright. And then those people who like want your light, who are like, oh, that's the person that I actually want to hang out yes. with. And now I can see them because before I couldn't when I'm trying to hide myself and try to pretend that I'm somebody else. It's like your light dims. People can't see you. But when you are authentically right. you, then you can you start to shine brighter and then the, you'll start to attract those people then who actually value you for you, not when we're trying to pretend to be somebody that we might not be. And in that same right, we can then perpetuate something different than diet culture, right? If we are authentically who we are and shining our light and showing people that it's okay to step in to life and living life right now, even in this body that maybe diet culture doesn't approve of, then they'll look at you and say, I want that too. How do I get that? I want to feel comfortable in my body. And that's how we spread this message of intuitive eating and body positivity and body love and really respecting who we are as individuals and how we're different and celebrating that. Um, it's not by trying to shove it down people's throats or changing their mind when they're not ready for it. But I love that idea of being a lighthouse so that other people can A, love and know you for who you are, but then also see what you have and choose to live their life too right now, which is amazing. Oh gosh, Christina, that we can I know. We I think we hours. need to we need to set up a part two because <laughs> a part two. A lot. Yes. we should do a part two in like six months. And, there we go. Reevaluate. Yes. Yeah. I would nice. love that. Um Christina, can you tell all our listeners where they can find you um to either work with you or just follow you on Instagram, which is amazing too. Yeah, so. my my Instagram is uh, Christina Bruce, Christina with a K underscore coach. And I'm usually posting on there quite frequently. Um, have a Facebook page as well. And then my website, which is christinabruce.com. Those are the main places. I also have a YouTube channel, but I more just like kind of drop videos on there when I feel like I want to share something. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll follow you on YouTube. I didn't yeah. know that. So that's awesome. Well, and we'll have all her stuff linked below too. Um, we highly encourage you guys to go check her out. Her quotes, you guys. So oh good. my gosh, this is how we found her <laughs> on Instagram. They are fire. Every single one of them is so good, so to the point, very effective and, and true. And um, and we just appreciate you doing the work that you do here in this space. And I know other people do too. So thanks for coming on. And it was so oh, good to it was meet so you. good to meet you too. And, and I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing too. So thank you. All right, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. We enjoyed having Christina on here so much. As you can tell, we probably could have talked uh, to her for another like several hours in a row. So of course, we plan to have her back one day because she's clearly a wealth of knowledge. And we hope that her information was as helpful to you guys as it was for us. Um, I also want to remind you, don't forget to click the link in the show notes below to join the waitlist for our diet. Rioters membership coming super soon. Getting on the waitlist is not a commitment to signing up, but it is a way for you to find out first when the doors are open. And just as a reminder, we are keeping the doors open for a limited amount of time so we can really cultivate that community feel and 
I don't want you to miss it. So make sure to click the link below to join the waitlist so you're in the know first and foremost and you don't miss the opening. And also, I wanted to tell you if you didn't catch our live last night, um, by clicking the link below and joining our waitlist, you will also have first access to the founder's price, which we are bringing into you at a super, super low cost for the very first time that we open the doors so that you can lock your price in for good but also be a part of building this amazing community and making sure that Brooke and I give you exactly what you need on your intuitive eating journey over time before we open the doors again and let everyone else kind of come in. So there's a ton of benefits of signing up for the wait list and getting in when the doors open for the very first time. We can't wait to tell you more about it. Definitely follow us on Instagram at diet.rioters. That's where we do our Instagram lives and share a little bit more information throughout the day and throughout the weeks. And during our Instagram lives, which are every Monday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, we answer your actual real life questions. Don't worry, they're always saved to our Instagram TVs as well. But we answer your questions and we're giving you more information about the membership every week. So make sure to follow us there. And while I'm at it asking you to do all these things, we would love it if you went ahead and gave us a review down below if you're listening from iTunes. It helps our show so much reach more people, help more people just like you. So even after 80 episodes, if you've only been helped by one little nugget of truth, we ask that you rate and review us so that someone else can find those nuggets of truth as well and help them along on their intuitive eating journey. Thank you guys so much for being here and we will see you next week, Die Riders. 